0: And maybe it's easier to say what isn't joy or what what is, uh, you know, what's missing when there's no joy in a person's life. And maybe it's easier to define when we start to think about what joy isn't uh, than than what it is. And and I I was like kind of like a a grandson who's talking to his grandpa over the holidays and his his grandpa is just always in a foul mood. And he says, Grandpa, he says, have you always been this grumpy and grandpa kind of got offended and he said son of course not he said it's taken me a long time and many years to get this good at being grumpy and you, you think about how when you see somebody that's just miserable you can say there's no joy there but when I began to think about well what is joy let's how, how do we define joy it was a little bit more difficult for me to do that matter of fact let me just ask you right now if you had if you had to give a definition of joy just think about it in, in your own mind right now what would it be that's what I had to ask myself this week. Well, what would, how would you define joy to someone? The Bible talks a lot about joy. Uh, the Bible says, sing for joy. The Bible says, shout for joy. Uh, the Bible says, consider our trials and our tribulations as joy. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. The Bible says to rejoice always. Uh, the Bible even says that the Lord rejoices over us. Uh, you know, you, you, you can read passage after passage, David said it in Psalm 51, Brother John mentioned it this morning, he said, restore unto me the joy of your salvation, and so this word joy just keeps coming up over and over and over again, but I want to be honest with you guys, I was really struggling just tr- trying to narrow it down and, and whittle it down to a simple, tangible definition until I turned to John chapter 15. So if, you're, if you have a copy of God's Word this morning, turn to John chapter 15, And I believe there's the secret in this passage that will help you and I. And when I began, and God, the Holy Spirit, just really began to work in me and began to reveal some simple things to me. And today's message is not profound in any sense. It's very simple, but I really think it's going to be very edifying and encouraging so that we can walk away from understanding that we understand what joy really is. And so from John chapter 15, I want to read the first 11 uh, voices. I'm going to read the first 11 voices. The first 11 verses this morning. And, and Jesus gives us a key in, in verse 11 because he brings up this concept of joy after kind of going through these first 10 verses. And I want you to read it along with me this morning. So from John chapter 15, you're you've probably very familiar with this passage. And so let's break it down a little bit this morning and see if we can discover what joy in Jesus is really all about. John 15 verse 1, Jesus says this, I am the true vine. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you. So now Jesus is telling us, everything that I just told you, these things that I've just spoken to you, I've done that, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Will you go to the Lord in prayer with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for the honor and the privilege to share your word, your truth with your people this morning. And I ask Holy Spirit of God, you would just speak through me and fill me with your wisdom and your words and your presence now to proclaim the message of the gospel, not in mere human words, but in power and in the power of the Holy Spirit and it may fall on open hearts and open ears, and we would all walk away from here changed because of the truth and because of your presence and because of the power of your word that you have given us. I pray all of these things this morning in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. So here's a couple of simple but important truths I I'm want to share with you this morning. Number one, if you have a listening guide, you can follow along, but it's going to follow along John 15. But the first thing I want to share with you this morning is that it is impossible for man to produce joy on his own. Now, again, back to what I was saying from an introductory standpoint. Sometimes it's easier for us to say, well, what, what joy is not? As opposed to what joy really is. And I want you to understand a couple of things before we break this down. When we speak of true joy, we're not necessarily talking about somebody that's laughing. We're not necessarily talking about somebody who's excited or enthusiastic. Um, We're not even talking about someone who's necessarily happy. Um, We're not necessarily talking about a person who has a jolly personality. You've met those people, right? And they're just always smiling and they just always have this jolly, just big personality and they're very friendly and kind and and jolly. That doesn't necessarily mean, however, that they have joy. Um, A man can be happy and a man can be laughing, but at the same time he can have no joy. Did you know that? On the flip side, if you think about joy, it's also not the absence of sadness or pain. Joy is not necessarily the absence of sadness and pain. So in other words, a person can be crying her heart out and yet at the very same time still have what? Still have joy. Did you know that? It's very interesting. So if you think about happiness in terms of something that is transitional, temporary, circumstantial, joy is something deeper. Joy is something um, more real in a person's life, regardless of what kind of circumstances they're going through. I've shared this many times. I want to share it again because this was the realization in my life that the presence of Christ was in me and that I still had joy in the midst of sorrow. I'll never forget it. I was... I don't know how old I was in the year 2000, I could do the math, but I was a younger man at that time, and my mother had been killed in a tragic car accident, and this was October of 2000, and as you can imagine, the whole gamut of emotions and all the the sorrow and the grief that a a young man feels to, to lose his mother in an untimely way in that way, and thank God she... She knew the Lord Jesus Christ. She lived a testimony of faithfulness to the Lord and, and she she ex- ex- exhibited joy in her life and just how she treated other people. And so there was no doubt in my mind that my mother had a relationship with Jesus Christ. But I promise you, I can never forget the time that we our family went in for the, the official viewing of the, which we didn't view her body, but her casket was there in the in the funeral home. And it was the first time for us to kind of the reality of us walking in to the understanding that the body of my mother was there in the funeral home, and as soon as we walked through the doors, I lost it. I mean, I I just, I broke down. I mean, I just, I had no control over my emotions. I began sobbing and weeping, but I promise at that very moment, there was something in me. It was the Holy Spirit of God, and he reminded me of this one truth. I still had joy right then at that moment. There was still joy in me. At the, probably the most tragic time of my life, there's still joy. So, so when you start thinking about joy this morning, again, it has necessarily nothing to do with our emotions or our circumstances or whether or not we're happy or sad or crying or laughing. As a matter of fact, I would, I would come to you this morning and say that the greatest testimonies and examples of joy actually come to us in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of our sufferings. And that is, the, that, is that joy, I believe, that, that contagious joy. And when I talk about contagious joy, there's something that the world should be able to see in the disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. And it's something contagious. It's something that they may not be able to put their finger on, but it's something that they should want. And I think that that testimony of joy in our lives as believers, even in the midst of suffering, in spite of our sorrows, is that one thing that that, that the world sees and they want that, they desire that, they don't understand it, but they still want it. And that is contagious to other people. But the problem is, we can't produce it on our own. We can't just manufacture joy. If I were to tell you this morning that, that you know, the sermon is as simple as this, you need to have joy, now go and be joyful. I would not be doing my job this morning. I would be sending you out unprepared and, and with lack, a great lack of information this morning. Because it's no way for you and I... To produce joy on our own. That's, that's this whole passage that Jesus is sharing with us. And, and you, you read that word over and over and over again about abiding in me and I abiding in you. And so we understand that, that there's, there's a secret, there's a key to true joy. Now, we can't buy joy. We can't produce it on our own. We can't manufacture it. It does not come in a pill. It's not a destination. It's not a place that you can go. Um, left to our own, we, we, in our own sinful natures, I don't even think we can really truly understand joy, as I said before. And so it's obviously something that is missing in our lives, in our own sinful natures. But it's something that we know that we need deep down. I, I ask it in a question this way. How can you get what you need if you don't really know exactly what it is that you need unless you know where to go to get it? In other words, there's something missing in the life of, of a person and we know it's missing, and we know that there's something that we need, but we may not even know exactly what it is we need. So if we don't even know what it is, how do we know where to go and get it? And so what Jesus reminds us here in John 15 that there is only one source of joy. And I know all of us as believers probably will agree upon this, and, and we've been taught this, and we understand this, right? There's only one source. There's only one joy provider in the world, and that source is God. God is the source of all joy. He is the producer of the soul, and the sole provider of all joy. So if we're going to have joy, we've got to go to the source. And as Christians, only God can give us joy. We know that. But why is it then? Now I'm talking to, I'm talking to you church. Why is it then that many of us still lack it? Why is it when we know God is the source of all joy and we understand that we can't produce it and make it and we know it's something that's got to be produced in us through a relationship with God, but why is it that we still lack it so much? Well, that leads us to the second point. And I think Jesus paints it very clearly here in John 15. Joylessness is the direct consequence of the sins of pride and selfishness. Let me say that again. Joylessness is the direct consequence of the sins of pride and selfishness. And selfishness. Now again, speaking from an unbeliever standpoint, an unbeliever who has no relationship with God whatsoever, they have no capacity for true joy. That's a very strong statement, but it's true. Because if we understand that God is the sole provider and producer of all joy, then if you're not in a relationship with God, you don't have any capacity for joy. You might be happy. You might have a change in circumstances. Again, going back to what I said before, but as an unbeliever, there's no way you can have true joy apart from Jesus Christ. But as believers, we understand what that source of joy is. We understand our relationship with Christ is the source of our joy. And however, there are some things in our lives that many times steal and rob us of the very joy that Jesus is talking about right here in John chapter 15. And the first one is what I call prideful independence. Prideful independence. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Now, what is he talking about? He's saying believers, he's saying my disciples, my people, if you don't abide in me, if you don't remain connected to me, the source of your joy, and you step out on your own and you disconnect yourself from the source of all joy and you try to produce something on your own, if you're independent and you're prideful, you're too prideful and you, and you seek independence from my provision, then what's going to happen? You're going to have a life of joylessness. Jesus says you're going to be like a branch That's withered and dried up. And that's what really prideful independence is all about. It's very simple. When we cut ourselves off from God, we're basically saying, God, I don't need you. I can handle this on my own. And many a times we get caught in these types of traps without even knowing it. That we develop patterns in our life and we develop um, habits in our life that that eventually lead us into a life of independence from God and pride. And we don't even realize it and we're miserable and and we're cut off from the supply of joy in our life. And yet we don't even know it and it's because we're trying to do everything in our own strength according to our own way and our own devices. And that steals us of our joy. That's what it really means, is that we're cutting ourselves off from God. That's what Jesus said. Now, he says, if you do this, you're like a branch that's dried up, useless, fruitless, and bitter. We become bitter. We become fruitless. And basically, Jesus is saying, you become useless. Because I want to tell you something this morning. A believer without joy is not useful for the kingdom of God. We're just not. If there's bitterness and resentment and independence and pride and all those kind of things in our life that, that manifest themselves in our lives to those around us, then we are not being productive for the kingdom of God. So that's the first thing is this prideful independence where we cut ourselves off from God. The second one is self-centeredness. It's self-centeredness. So so the whole illustration this morning about the fruit and the vine and us being the branches and Jesus is the source and we must remain connected to the vine, it's very simple. He's saying, look, if you're a branch and you remain connected to me, something's going to be produced in you. There's going to be an outlet for that that life. There's going to be an outlet for that life-giving power that the Holy Spirit of God through Jesus Christ gives us as his branches. There's got to be an outlet. You know, it's a fascinating um, phenomenon in in, in the Holy Land. I've never got to go to Israel, but if you've ever been there, and I know many of you have, you've probably bathed in the Dead Sea. What's so amazing about the Dead Sea? The Jordan River flows north to south down into the Dead Sea, and it collects all of the minerals and uh, all of the impurities and and pollutants of the Jordan River and they just all filter into the Dead Sea and they collect there and there's no life in that sea. It's impossible for life to thrive in that sea. Why? Because there's no what? There's no outlet. Everything is stagnant. And I think the other enemy of joy in your life and in my life this morning, apart from cutting ourselves off from God, is that we also have the risk of cutting ourselves off others because we're meant to be life-giving branches of the Lord Jesus Christ so that we're not only receiving this power and we're receiving this strength and we're receiving this joy from the Lord Jesus Christ through that relationship that we have with him but we're also turning around and we're what we're giving it we're being this this conduit we're being this open channel of God's grace as we go around and we share this life with other people I think about a Christmas carol written by Charles Dickens. And the, the prime character in that movie is, is, is one of my favorites, Ebenezer Scrooge. And we, we've even used that term even still today. Don't be a Scrooge, right? Don't be a Scrooge around Christmas. Don't be a Don't be a joy stealer. Don't be a joy killer. And it, he does a great job, Dickens does, of showing somebody who really steals and kills the joy of others. And think about the life of Ebenezer Scrooge. What is he? He's a hermit, he is miserable and he's cut off from everybody else, right? I mean, he has no, there's no outlet. He has no source of giving to other people, and that's why he's isolated, and that's why he's miserable, and that's why he's a Scrooge because he's so self-centered. He can't get him his mind off of his own self. He's always looking to meet his needs and his wants before anybody else's. The Apostle Paul put it this way. In in the book of 1 Timothy, I I found it fascinating. I want to share this with you, and I think it's worth the time. Paul said it this way because he understood that his life was more than to just receive the grace of God, but it was also to be a conduit to give the grace of God. That's the connection. We don't cut ourselves off from God, and we certainly don't cut ourselves off from other people. He said it this way. The grace of our Lord Jesus overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save. Sinners of whom I am the foremost, but listen to what he says. But I received mercy for this reason that in me, as the foremost of sinners, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. Paul understood joy. Paul understood the life-giving power of Christ because he said, the only reason that God has showed grace to this sinner is so that I could turn around and show his grace to these sinners around me, that I'm a conduit flowing the grace of God through me to others, and there's so much joy in that. When we cut ourselves off from God, it steals our joy. When we cut ourselves off from other people, it steals our our joy. I found it fascinating that there's a direct connection between the word grace and the word joy. Matter of fact, in the Greek, the word grace is charis, C-H-A-R-I-S is the, is the, the Greek word for grace. And then the, the Greek word for joy is kara, C-H-A-R-A. They're both rooted in the very same word. And I found that very fascinating because when I begin to think about it is that God's grace flows into our life and joy comes from God's grace flowing from us into others lives that's what joy really is all about and so we got to be careful as believers not first of all to try to do things in our own strength not to cut ourselves off from others because what happens then is that especially when you've cut yourself off from God and you're trying to do things independently of God you know what happens naturally is, as believers and many of you may be caught in this cycle right now you begin to compare yourself with other people you begin to look around and say, you know what, I do so much more than this person. Or I don't even know if this person's even serving in the church anymore. Why am I always the only one up here giving of myself and giving of my time? And, you, and, and basically when you're, when you're operating out of that kind of mindset, it burns you out so quickly. And you become so frustrated and you become so resentful of other people instead of understanding that you are this life-giving conduit of God's grace that He is pouring into you and you're pouring out into other people. But the minute that you try to stop doing it through Him is the minute that you lose all of your joy. So ultimately, ultimately, joy cannot be our pursuit, but rather it becomes the spiritual fruit Of a life connected to Jesus. Look at what Jesus says again in verse 11. He says, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So again, this kind of this this process of me trying to define joy, and I promise I'm gonna to get to the definition in just a minute, and you're gonna you're gonna appreciate it. But I begin to think about okay, now joy is is not something we can produce, and, and and joy has got to be something that is that is flowing through us, and then I'm like, well, we can't, you know, we can't produce it, it must flow through us, but it is actually it's the it's the result of fruit, it's fruit in our life. And we know that the spirit uh um uh, the fruits of righteousness. We think about the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, the fruits of the Spirit, and in one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. So it's something that, that should manifest itself in our life when we are in a right relationship with God and other people. Now this is what's interesting. I shouldn't tell you this morning that you need to go out and pursue to be joyful, because there would be something missing. You would be lacking. But what I can tell you this morning is that you go and pursue the one, the one and only one, who can produce joy in your life. So, our pursuit is not joy, our pursuit is who? Jesus. The pursuit more than joy is actually Jesus. And so, the joy becomes the fruit of that relationship, of that pursuit that we have. Jesus said that his joy he wants to put in us so that our joy may be full, it may be overflowing. That's the only way that joy is going to truly manifest itself in our life If is that our joy is full and then so much fullness of joy is in our heart because we're pursuing Jesus on such a deep level and on such a personal level that there has nowhere else to go but where? But out. That's the true definition and that's the true example of fruit. I take this Christmas tree over here as an example and this is a beautiful Christmas tree and it's meant to give light and when it's giving light, it's beautiful But the minute that you do this, there's nothing there. The lights are still there, but it's not giving off the light. Now, we don't even know what light is. What is light, by the way? I don't even know what light is. Maybe there's somebody that gave me a scientific definition of what light is. We just know what light's supposed to do, and we know what it looks like, and we know the characteristics of light. And so this morning, you understand that if there's no connection to the source, there's no light. And that's the same thing with us, is that if we're here and we're pursuing Jesus, the source, people are going to see the light. People are going to see the joy in our life. They may not understand it, may not even know what it is, but it's going to be there and it's going to be shining in the way that it's supposed to because we are pursuing a relationship with Jesus. But here's the good thing. I'm going to bring it to the very last point. As God just showed me, as I studied joy and I prayed through the Holy Spirit, Lord, would you would just simplify this understanding of joy? It came very simple to me, and I'm going to break it down very simple to you. You think about abiding in Christ. And here's the definition of joy. Here's my definition I'm going to give you. Joy is simply sharing life with Christ and other people. Think about that for just a second. Joy is is simply sharing life with Christ and other people. Isn't that what Jesus... Is talking about right here. If you want to give definitions of what it means to abide in Christ, I can give you a, I give you a dozen definitions. I, I can tell you that abiding in Christ means to make a home with Jesus and j- allow Jesus to make a home with you. I can tell you that abiding means to reside with Jesus. I can tell you that abiding means to remain near and be, spend time with Jesus and to walk with Jesus and to stay connected to Jesus so that the, the Spirit of Christ dwells within us and that, that idea of abiding with somebody. But the easiest way I can break it down to you and the easiest way I want you to walk away with this morning understanding how to have and discover a true life of joy is simply this when God shares his life with you as a natural product of that is what is joy as Jesus Christ came into the what was the purpose of Jesus Christ coming into the world dying for our sins and to give us what life And so as we understand and we receive the life of Christ, when we receive this, as God shares his life with us, within us, there is now joy. But that's not the end of it, because then we have the wonderful privilege to turn around and share that life with others. That's why when the angels came to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, and they said, we bring you good tidings of great what? Of great joy that is for all people. The reason there was so much joy in the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is because it was meant to be shared. Do y'all know that the gospel of Jesus Christ is still to this day meant to be what? Shared. That's the life-giving message of the gospel. It's meant to be shared. And when we share the, the good news of Jesus Christ with other people, guess what that produces in our life? Joy. When we share our lives with other people, that's what the church family is really all about. That's why I'm so blessed to be a part of a church family. Because listen, we share our life with each other. Now listen, it's the same thing when when I was talking about at the very beginning. It's not necessarily the absence of sorrow. It's not necessarily the absence of pain. Because Jesus never promised us that we would have a life absent of sorrow and pain, did he? We've had several church members and very people close to our church just this week that have died. And families right now are hurting, and they're very sorrowful. But guess what? Who's still with them? Jesus. He's sharing life with them. Therefore, they can still have joy in the midst of their sorrow. Guess what? The church family, we're still what? We're still right here with them. We're sharing life with them so that even though they're crying and they're grieving and they're sorrowful, they still may have joy because we're sharing life with each other. I even, I even started thinking about it from a very, just a personal standpoint. What are the two or three most joyful occasions in my life? Number one, my wedding day when I got to marry the love of my life. Why is it so much joy on a wedding day? Because two people are making a commitment to share their life together. That's what makes it so joyful and then, a very close second to that, or when my three boys were born. Why was that such a joyful occasion when our children are born into this world? What's so joyful about that? It's because God has given us another life to share. What a blessing having children is. And then you think about even the salvation of your children, the salvation of your loved ones, when now you know that they are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, and now they're sharing their life, and God is sharing his life with them, and there's even more reason to celebrate and have joy, simply because it is sharing life with God and sharing life with each other. What a wonderful blessing that is. And you could take that even a step further that, you know what, some of you right now may not be content in in your service of this church. Maybe you're looking for a place to serve in this church. You know what, when you share your gifts with the body of Christ, guess what that produces in your life? More joy. Guess what, when you share your resources for the kingdom of God, guess what that produces in your life? Joy. We said it last week, it's better to give than receive. Why? Because you're sharing your resources. You're sharing God's resources with other people. You put anything else in the blank there. When you begin to share those things with other people, that's what produces a life of joy in the believer's heart. But the, but the danger is, again, just, to, just as we wrap this thing up this morning, the danger is don't cut yourself off from God, the source, and then don't cut yourself off from other people. And if you want to have and truly experience and discover the, the everlasting joy that God intends for you, as Jesus said, that his joy may be in you and that you may be full of his joy and that joy may be so full in your life that it can't help but to overflow into someone else's life. If you're, if you're wanting that and you're desiring that, take these simple principles and apply them to your life as we understand what joy really is this morning. Sharing life with God and with other people. That's your takeaway this morning. Get connected to Jesus Discover the true joy in Jesus that flows from sharing life with God and others. Thank you for sharing your life with me. Thank you for sharing your life with my family. I thank God every day that he's brought us here. And I I have the privilege of sharing the words of life with you. And it gives me great joy to do that. And I hope it gives you great joy to receive it. And listen, not just in this Christmas season, but moving forward every single day, let's don't shut our mouths. Let's don't bury the light, but let's, let's go and let's share life with other people. There's so many people out of here around us, y'all, that are desperate for that kind of joy. And all it's going to take is for us to be willing to share life with them, introducing them to the life of Jesus Christ. And what a joy and blessing that is. I'm going to ask our worship team, if they would, come on up and make their way as we get ready to close out our service I'm very excited about things to come at Christ Church. I'm very excited about what God is doing in the life of Christ Church. Um, We're just so blessed to be able to look forward to next week, which is Christmas Eve. We're going to look at the last of the four elements of Advent as we consider peace next week and everything that comes along with that. And I'm, again, thankful to be here to be able to share life with you guys. So I want to close us in a word of prayer. And I want you to use this time to respond. Because some of you right now, you're trying to live lives and they're just joyless. There's no joy in your life. And it may be because you've disconnected yourself from the Lord. Or maybe you're trying to do things independently of Him. Or maybe you have no outlet in your life. Maybe you're not reaching and sharing the grace of God and the life that he's given you with other people. I don't know what it is. And maybe you got plenty of joy this morning, but listen, there's no reason that you can't have more. So whatever you, wherever you are and whoever you are this morning, take a minute to do business with the Lord and ask him to minister to your heart wherever you are. So let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for just a, a simple message this morning that we may have joy, full, unlimited, overflowing joy because you're willing to come and share your life with us. You are willing to come and give your life to us and you're willing to continue to pour out your life in us as we are your children. Help us to continue to share that life with others as we continue to overflow with your joy, God, and we are able to touch other people's lives. Thank you for the church family that you've placed here. Thank you for... The unspeakable joy that we have to be in a relationship with you. Father, minister to our hearts right now, wherever we may be. I pray all these wonderful things in your holy name. And all God's people said.